Today's gospel is from Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look! Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends, if I had to take a wild guess, I would assume that not sleeping very well this week, which has been a problem for me, hasn't just been a problem for me. I would guess that you too have had trouble closing your eyes and resting for the whole long night, that you too may have had your eyes pop wide open at 3 a.m., worrying, wondering, praying, fearing, hoping, weeping, raging. So yes, this week has been particularly bad for my sleep, but elections are not the only thing that keep me up at night. Being an adult in general gives you plenty of reasons to stay up at night and worry. And so over the past two years, I've taken to asking myself when I wake up then, if there's anything I can actually do in that very moment to assuage my fears. So if I'm lying awake wondering, did I shut the garage door? Did I blow out that candle? Did I ever empty the washing machine? Is there anything I can do about that right now? Well, yeah, I can get up, check the garage door, check the candle, check the washing machine. And sure, it means getting out of the warm covers and walking through the cold house, but it gets me back to sleep. Doors shut, candles out. Washing machine will not be full of wet, moldy smelling clothes in the morning. Check, back to sleep. The problem, of course, is that many, most, of the things that I lay awake worrying about can't be dealt with like that. So if I'm awake at 3 a.m. thinking about absentee ballots being counted and the safety of poll workers and the false and damaging rhetoric of voter fraud, there's no quick fix. If I'm awake anxious about climate change or COVID-19 cases rising and the raw, violent damage of white supremacy and the countless divisions among us as a, as a country, there's no quick check. Can I get up and do anything? I can pray. But what can I do at 3 a.m.? Not much. Let me tell you something that would not help my sleepless nights, today's parable. A parable in which some people come to a wedding overly prepared, others underprepared, 
and in which the bridegroom and therefore the wedding itself are inexplicably delayed. A parable in which by the end, half the bridesmaids are left standing outside the door with the groom's words echoing in their ears. I don't know you. What on earth is this story about? Why is Jesus telling it? Don't we have enough to worry about without a savior telling parables that make us wonder if someday he will shut the pearly gates in our faces? We live in anxious days and we have specific and unique reasons for that, but anxiety itself isn't new. Jesus was telling this parable in the last few days before his death and not just this parable, but others that are equally difficult and insomnia producing. At least in Matthew's gospel, Jesus was not interested in comforting his friends as he marched toward his death. He wanted them awake, all the way awake and paying attention. Now, by the time someone was writing all of this down and forming the set of stories we now call the gospel of Matthew, there was another kind of anxiety among Jesus' followers. Matthew's gospel was put together maybe 80 to 100 years after Jesus' birth. So that's 50 to 70 years after anyone has seen him in the flesh. And all that time, they've been waiting for his promised return. Does it feel like election results have taken a long time to tabulate? Imagine waiting 70 years. Where is Jesus? wondered the early church. He said he was coming back. When? That anxiety is woven all the way through the New Testament until the question becomes less, when is Jesus coming back? And instead, what should we do while we wait? There's a lot out there to keep us up at 3 a.m. A lot that pops our eyes open and refuses us, refuses to let us sleep again in peace. But I'm guessing that for most of us, the question, when is Jesus coming back, is not among them. Not really. Not in the same way that those first generations of Christians wondered about it. The same way that somebody who might actually have known a person that saw Jesus walk their streets wondered about it. We might joke about it sometimes. Boy, 2020 seems like a great year for Jesus to come back, but I don't think we truly mean it. And if he's coming back like a delayed bridegroom ready to shut the door in the faces of half his bridesmaids, maybe Jesus' return isn't something we should be looking forward to at all. Which takes us back to the parable. It's a little on the obvious side, but it's worth saying anyway, remember, this is one parable among many, one part of Jesus' story and not the whole thing. And though our common tendency, and mine too, is to assign the most powerful character in the story to God, that might not be what Jesus was trying to do at all. Reading this story all by itself isn't really fair. Except to read it in its whole context, we'd have to read it most of chapter 24, all of chapter 25, and part of chapter 26 of Matthew. And if we did that, there's no time left for a sermon. So we'll just say that this whole series of parables are all about watchfulness and waiting and paying attention. Jesus is reminding his disciples, that's who these parables are for, that they need to keep their eyes open because God is going to show up in unexpected places when they are not looking for God. 
stay awake, turns out to be great advice that they promptly ignore. As all of them fall asleep while Jesus prays in the garden so hard for a way out of the crucifixion, the sweat pours down his face. All of which is to say, I don't think this parable is really about the bridegroom. Or that Jesus wants us to think of the bridegroom as God. Keep awake, he says. You just don't know. Fall asleep and you might miss the best wedding party you've ever imagined. Reading the larger story of Matthew's gospel, not to mention the other three gospels and the whole of the New Testament, casts a lot of doubt on the idea that we worship a God who shuts doors in people's faces. Jesus is going from this parable to his own death, to the tomb shut in his face, and into the love of a God who opens that seemingly last door. So I don't think this parable is meant to keep us up at night. I just can't make my way through the biblical landscape and end up believing in a God who sets a timer and then tells us it's too late to be loved, too late to be welcomed, too late to enter. It's never too late for the love of God. But other things? Time doesn't run out for God, but we live in a world where our opportunities do end where our chances to make change and stop oppression and take our communities in a different direction, those chances don't last forever. And the harder, the longer we wait, the harder it gets. The less we pay attention to everything that is harming our communities, then the harder it is to break all of that down. God doesn't run out of time, but we do. Ironically, it's sometimes the things that keep us up at night that tempt us to stop paying attention during the day. Barbara Brown Taylor puts it this way. Jesus says it's really important not to let our worries make us check out. He knows how likely we are to lie down when it's time to stand up, to cover our heads when it's time to raise them, to do anything that distracts us from what's really going on. Sometimes we even use church to take our minds off reality, she says. But we're here, we're church, to find the kind of truth we're not getting anywhere else in our lives. And as hard as it may be to hear, Jesus also promises that that will save us. There's no way to love our neighbors as ourselves unless we are staying awake and paying attention. When we do, we start to notice that we might need to bring some extra oil with us. This is going to take a while. We do things that may seem small to us, but they're not nothing. We can do things while we're waiting to build healthier, more just, and peaceful communities. And whether we think of ourselves as wise or foolish, all of us are in this way together, and there's a lot of work to do. And when we don't take advantage of the opportunities that we have, to heal and reconcile and apologize and learn and forgive and be forgiven, we may not get those chances again. So says Jesus, don't sleep on them. We won't always get it right. All 10 of those bridesmaids eventually dozed off. But five of them seem to have grasped that what they were waiting for was no ordinary party. 
what they were preparing for and hoping for was something so extraordinary that they were willing to give everything they had to make sure they didn't miss out. I think the bridesmaids are here to tell us something. We don't have all the time in the world. We don't have forever. But we do have right here and right now to stay awake and pay attention. We have what we need. Jesus has already told us, you're the light of the world. So the lamps are full and ready to go. We know what our job is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Is that hard work? Yes. Is it worth everything we've got? Absolutely. We can rest at night knowing that the whole of this world is loved infinitely and to the very end by a God who never shuts the door in our faces. But when we wake up every day, it's time to pay attention. To work hard because the wait may be longer than our lifetimes, but the next generation will need something to build on. It's our turn to get ourselves and the world ready for a feast so radical and joyful and welcoming that no one will ever be turned away. Get up. Get up and keep your lamps trimmed and burning because, my friends, the time is drawing nigh. Amen.